Welcome, friends, to my lovely, crazy life. I'm your host, Amanda Preston. I'm a mom of eight talking about adoption, foster care, and special needs. Join me each week as we dive into the messy, fill up your cup, and refresh your soul. Welcome, folks, to our first episode. I'm so excited that you're here with us today. I'm going to share a little bit about who I am and what this podcast is going to be all about. So to start, I am a mom to eight kids, seven of whom have special needs. I'm a social worker. I'm the founder and executive director of a nonprofit. I'm also a blogger over at My Lovely Crazy Life and an author. I'm coming to this podcast with some unique perspectives in that I've experienced things from the adoptive and fostering side, but also from the social work side. I've got experience from the child welfare side, doing investigations, working with families and children, and also from the resource side and working with foster care and recruitment. I also get to support others in my role with the nonprofit, which has been really valuable because not only can I come each week and share about some of the journeys that I've been on and walked through, but also what a lot of other people have been on. So it just broadens the depth and knowledge of what I can bring to the show. It's amazing to be able to see other people through the foster and adoption journey and some of the things that they've gone through and some of the miracles and joys that they've been able to experience. I think this podcast is going to have a little bit of everything for everyone. We're going to be talking about adoption, foster care, special needs, and we're even going to have some special episodes just for social workers. There's going to be episodes for people who are thinking of adoption or fostering, those that are already in the process, and those that are already parenting. They're already in the trenches and they're looking for support, encouragement, and to know that they're not alone. I think that's one of the hardest parts about adoption, foster care, and special needs is the isolation that we often feel. And we just want to know that there's others out there experiencing the same thing. So I hope that this podcast is an opportunity to feel that. And for those of you that have kids with special needs, but you're not an adoptive or foster parent, then this podcast is still for you. We're going to have so many episodes that are geared towards special needs because kids through adoption and foster care often have special needs, whether it be from trauma or attachment related issues or an actual diagnosis. This podcast is going to be informative. We're going to have a lot of great guest interviews with people who know their stuff, some professionals, some other adoptive and foster parents, and people that are just going to be able to equip you and give you the tools to move forward and do the best that you can. It's also going to be honest. You know, with a lot of platforms out there like Instagram, where we're always trying to strive for perfection, I want this to be an opportunity to just be real and who we are. You know, parenting is tough, and I think we can all agree that none of us are perfect, and we're all struggling with what we're going through. So this is just going to be a time to share about some of the struggles we all go through and how we can connect together in those struggles. I'm a little bit quirky and a little bit crazy, I'm not going to lie, and I also sometimes have to balance out not being too professional with some of the things I talk about. Hopefully this can be an opportunity for us to learn and grow and walk through this journey of parenthood together. I'd now like to introduce my husband, Daniel Preston, as we share a little bit of our story and talk about how it all began for us. Hey everyone, I'm Daniel Amanda's husband. So we're going to get started with our story. We actually met at the keg. It's kind of like a steakhouse here in Canada. I was a busser working at the back and Daniel was a chef. He had come back to the back room while I was chopping vegetables and I thought, ooh, that's a cute chef back here. I thought he was some accomplished chef working at such a nice steakhouse restaurant. Uh, we got talking and back then I was 18. I had this ridiculous habit of asking people uh, what they had for lunch and what they wanted to do with their life. So I asked him what he wanted to do with his life and he said... I basically told her that I wanted to go to Africa and start an orphanage. Which, at the time, I actually wanted to go and start an orphanage myself. So in my head, I thought, 
ooh, I'd love to do that with him. But I didn't tell him because that would have come across really strong in a first intro. So I just told him that I had a shared passion to do the same thing and didn't necessarily say do it with him. Uh, anyhow, so we uh, got a chatting about it, realized that we had a lot of interest in um, caring for vulnerable kids. And I ended up asking him out. So we went on a first date um, and very quickly became boyfriend and girlfriend. So soon after we started dating, it was Daniel's birthday. And it came out of who I thought was this accomplished chef, this um, obviously adult. <laughs> I was in my first year of university. <laughs> uh, it came out that he was not. He was actually in grade 12. He had been 17 and was just turning – actually, no, he was 16 when I first met him um, and was just turning 17 on his first birthday. Now, in all fairness, you never did ask me my age. That's true. I did assume, <laughs> and I assumed very wrong. So for the record, uh, these very nice restaurants where you think they're accomplished chefs, it turns out they'll let high schoolers cook uh, the fancy steak. So uh, don't make the same mistake I did. But lucky for him, I fell in love with him quite quickly. Uh, so age didn't matter. I mean, I was only a year and like two months older than him. It wasn't like the end of the world. But at the time, she almost dumped me. I did. I, I was very close to doing it when I found out he was still in high school. Um, but we got, yeah, we fell in love and started our relationship together. And then for some very odd reason, uh, we knew that we wanted to spend our lives together quite quickly. Uh, we knew that we wanted to uh, have this life together with all these shared passions. He decided to propose to me in May of that year. So we had we had met in September of his grade 12 year. And in May, he decided to propose. Why he decided to propose in May and not wait a month later till he graduated, I have no idea. Daniel? <laughs> well, it, it's quite a story to tell moving forward. I was in high school engaged with a $5 ring I got from Shoppers Drug Mart. So. I think the ring might have actually been from Walmart, <laughs> which funny enough, right now my ring is from Walmart. That's a whole other story. I said yes, because we knew we wanted to get married anyways, uh, but it was quite the scandal. So you have to understand, uh, he went to a private school that was very conservative. I went to a private university too, and I was also a very conservative person. So this came as quite shocked to me when the school found out that he, we were engaged, I did get banned from his school, which was a little crazy because I wasn't the type of person to ever get banned from anything. I was a pretty good kid other than maybe not doing the dishes if you talk to my mom. Um, but other than that, um, but you know, who cares? We were in love. We knew we wanted to get married. So we, we went forward. Everyone thought we were crazy. That became kind of the mantra of our life is that we were crazy. They all had this thing of, well, don't you want to go traveling? It was really weird. They were very obsessed with this whole traveling piece. I actually moved every 18 months growing up. I've lived in England, all across Canada, across the United States. So I had no interest in traveling. And I mean, Daniel, you went lots of places, yeah. right? Yeah, I did before. I went lots of places. I went to Africa, Europe, down to Central America mm -hmm. later on in my life. So yeah, I have traveled a bit. Yeah. So there was no need for us to go traveling any further. Uh, we, at the time, felt we just wanted to get married. Uh, so we got engaged. Unfortunately, in the province that we live in in Canada, at the time he was 18, you have to actually have a signature to get married. So uh, he requested this signature from his parents and they denied him. <laughs> um, yep, that under was a hard no. <laughs> understandably, I mean... Now that, Looking at I, now, that's now that crazy. I've got kids, yeah, it does seem kind of crazy. Uh, so we did the next best thing and said, fine, we'll go to the next province over where you don't have to be... Uh, uh, get a signature. So we there's this very beautiful, um, some of you might have heard of this place. It's called Banff. It's this beautiful getaway mountain town in the Rockies. Uh, we started planning our wedding in Banff. I think the food alone was like $15,000. Keep in mind, we both worked at a restaurant. Neither, minimum, make a minimum wage. Minimum wage. Neither of our parents uh, were going to be paying for this wedding. So, um, But thankfully, 
by booking this silly wedding that obviously never happened, uh, his parents realized how serious we were and did consent to signing for our wedding and said, fine, we will sign for you to get married anytime after January 1st, 2003, thinking we would plan some type of wedding uh, that next summer. So like a year away. Little did they know that they were dealing with teenagers. So we booked our wedding for January January 2nd. 2nd. which I will add was a Thursday. (laughs) But Thursdays are way cheaper and we had to pay for our own wedding. So again, it made sense at the time. Also of note, um, when you're high schoolers and first year university students planning a wedding, who do you choose as a photographer for that wedding? You get your graduation photo photographer. Well, who else would you get? Of course. (laughs) Complete with pillars in an inside studio. Man, I wish we had Pinterest back in those days. And wow, that dates us. That it does. Pinterest didn't exist. Yes. <laughs> we Th- still have these physical thanks. magazines. <laughs> uh, anyhow, but it happened. We got married. Everyone thought we were crazy, but we did it. So there we were, 18 and 19, just gotten married, had to go get our parents' signature to get married, also had to get their signature just to get car insurance. It was crazy. And we started our first year of marriage together, doing all the normal stuff, hanging out with friends, playing games, that kind of thing. And just, it came to us, just feeling as we would talk to each other about where we wanted to go with our lives, we felt like it wasn't orphanages that we wanted to go to, but we actually wanted to adopt. Uh, We felt this change in how we wanted to work with children. And so we decided very early on in our marriage uh, to pursue adoption. We looked at all the different options, you know, international adoption, domestic adoption. And then in Canada, there's something called ministry or waiting child adoption, which is kids in foster care that are available for adoption. So they're legally available. Parental rights have already been terminated. And we just really felt a strong pull to that. We wanted to adopt kids with special needs. And so we got started. Well, we didn't really know much about it at the time when we did go into it. We thought that international was the only way you could really go. It was only after we dug into it that we really found out about the local um, adoptions available. But, you know, it seemed like a really great fit. Once again, though, we did get the response from pretty much everyone we know that we were crazy. Traveling thing came up again. Once again, oh, don't you want to go traveling? Again, we said, no, we're good. Thank you. But we started our process. So there is a bit of a process to it. Uh, for those who are already out there who are adoptive and foster parents, you know, you have to do the education course. We did a couple of them. You have to do a home study. They get to know you. So we were in that home study process. So it was about a year later. We'd been married one year. We were just about at our second anniversary at this point, and we had one more home study left to go. So we were, went in, we're talking with our social worker, and she said, you know, I know you guys really well. I know that you're mature, that you're capable, that you're passionate, and that you're going to be great parents. But when it comes to the matching process, that's all done more through paper. And on paper, we sounded still like very young kids. We still worked at the keg. We were at restaurants. We lived in a basement suite. And she said it was going to be a harder time to get us matched, given what we looked like on paper. So so she suggested that we go and take a couple of years and just put our home study on hold. So we'd come back that next week and finish it off, put it on hold, and just get ourselves ready over those next two years so we went away kind of feeling like okay like if that's what we need to do then that's what we need to do i think i think we were were at peace with it too we didn't really mind that we yes we wanted to get started right away but at the same time we were okay with waiting yeah we weren't in a rush or anything so but we do do things kind of impulsively so that weekend we thought well if we need to get ready let's get ready as best as we can so we thought why don't we buy our first place 
So we looked in the newspaper, saw this condo that was for sale, went and looked at it and bought it. Literally the first place. We <laughs> didn't even like look anyway. That was silly. So, uh, it wouldn't be ready for six months. They had to kind of renovate it. It had been a rental unit. So we got it for a sweet deal, but it wouldn't be ready till they were done. And at that same time, my dad had lost his job. So we thought, well, hey, why don't we go live with my parents so we can pay for their rent uh, while we're waiting for our condo to be finished? So we gave notice at our basement suite um, and made plans to move in quite quickly with my parents. And they lived in a two-bedroom townhouse uh, with my teen sister. So it was already going to be very squishy. I don't even know what we thought we were going to do. I think my sister was going to like live in the garage or something. But I think she actually did live in I the garage. I think she did live in the garage. Um, and that was our plan. So yeah, we came back to our social worker the next week to close off our home study um, with all these big plans. And she had the strangest look on her face. I was like, what have we done? <laughs> I was, Are we in trouble? Oh, yeah. did, did, did you find out something bad about us in your criminal record checks? Yeah. Like, what's well, going on I here? I mean, we never did anything. I'll give find it. There he goes, making it sound crazy. <laughs> um, but anywho, so we, we get in and we sit down and she says, so this is a little crazy, but I actually have a proposal for you. Now, a proposal is when they are actually proposing a child. It means that they've matched you, which is very crazy considering our home study wasn't even finished. The matching process hadn't even begun. And also keep in mind, uh, with the waiting child adoption, it's usually kids age three and older. So we said we were open from ages three to 18. We were expecting a school-age child. That's kind of what we had started collecting items for. Um, and it's usually quite the process. So since our home study wasn't even completed, we had not done one single step in preparing for a child to come into our home. And the couple things that we had kind of thought about and, you know, gathering things, getting a bedroom were, were geared towards older children. Uh, so we sit down and said, you have a match. I think our jaws dropped. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she continues to say, uh, yes, it's a little two month old baby boy and he's ready to come home in three weeks. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Basically. And just for the record, Daniel had a lot of experience with children. I, on the other hand, had almost zero. I think I babysat a baby one time and called a friend frantically because I was not changing the diaper properly. And I'm I was, pretty sure she had never changed diapers. I don't think I had, one, I had once and it went terrible. Um, I, yeah, I had no experience. So when they said that there was a baby waiting for us, we were a little bit shocked. But of course we said, yes, they had been trying to find a match for him. Um, and we just felt instantly that this is what we were supposed to do. So we moved forward. Uh, we got to meet him a week later and he was in a foster home. Now this was all new to us. So we didn't know anything about the foster care system, but there was his foster mom walking us through everything about uh, foster care and this little boy. And I have to say, uh, when we first met him, uh, you know, a lot of people say this, this isn't real, you know, when finding love and that kind of thing, but it was definitely love at first sight, right? I, uh, I've never experienced anything like that up until this point, but I can say uh, that through adoption, it was there. I fell in love with Matthew the second we first saw him uh, and we just dove right in. She walked us through how to make a bottle, how to change a diaper, how to interact with him because we basically didn't know any of these things. Daniel actually knew a little bit more than me because he had a little brother that was uh, only four at the time. So he, he'd had some experience. And so she just kind of helped us. I'm sure she thought the social workers were crazy for sending a couple of I think so, teenagers over to her house to adopt this baby. But uh, yeah, we went through a week of meetings and getting there every morning for when he woke up and till he went to bed and then brought him home for the first time. So this now, was- Now, brought him home. Brought him home to your parents' house- wasn't really home. Well, no, but it was at my parents' house in a townhouse where we were all crammed, which was crazy. But still, it was brought him home to our family. And I remember just driving home for that first time thinking, how are they letting us drive with a baby? <laughs> <laughs> it, it just didn't feel like something we should be doing. We're very responsible people for the record, <laughs> but it felt very strange. We brought him home. 
and just started immersing ourselves in caring for him and being parents for the first time. He was amazing. He was just the cutest little guy. We loved being parents to him and it was the most amazing experience ever. But (laughs) having gone through his foster home, our hearts were stirred. We had never known about this whole foster thing and we immediately started chatting with each other and just saying, you know, I think foster care is what we need to do next. Yeah, that was definitely on our hearts for sure. And given the way that we usually do things, we didn't wait and we signed up right away. Everyone again said we were crazy. Why are you fostering? Why do you want to sign up to be a foster parent? Like, don't- wait, wait a couple of years until your kids are older and gone from the house. Yeah. And- don't you want to just enjoy your baby? A lot of people actually brought up the travel thing again, which yeah. is crazy. Like, okay, this is like the third time now. I think we're done with the travel topic. But we knew, we just, we knew that this was um, what we wanted to do and that we had, you know, a family and love to give and we wanted to provide a home for a child that needed one. Uh, so we signed up and about 10 months after bringing home Matthew for the first time, we opened up as a safe baby home. So in Canada, safe baby home means a home that takes infants uh, that have been prenatally exposed to drugs and alcohol or have some other type of special need. We were actually open to any age, so all the way up to age 18, but we were, you know, a specialized safe baby home. And and here we had to take lots of training for that and education. Even though we were still young at the time, like 20 and 21, we we, we actually knew what we were doing by this point. (laughs) Matthew was some good practice. So we, you know, we had a couple little babies uh, come and go. And then that summer we had our first newborn that we had ever had. You know, Matthew came to us at two months, which was amazing, but we had never had a newborn before. And so Robbie came to us as a newborn. Very first time, got to pick him up from the hospital. It was such a cool experience. Quite quickly, they realized that reunification wasn't possible. So we weren't going into it with the purpose of adoption. We were going into it to, you know, help children and uh, help them return home to their family. But it just wasn't going to work out this time. So we ended up being able to adopt him, which was amazing. Uh, So he's our second oldest. Matthew's now 14 and Robbie is now 13. And then within a year of him coming home to us, his birth mom got pregnant again. And because we had him... They like to keep siblings together. So we actually found out about the next baby before she was even born uh, and had the opportunity to have her come to our home, which was very exciting. Uh, And again, she ended up coming up for adoption. Reunification wasn't possible. So that's uh, our next daughter, Elena, who is now 12 trying to remember. Our memories are not that great anymore. So they're a sibling set. Uh, and yeah, it was just, it was amazing. We had our little family of three. We had other foster kids coming and going all the time. We were a busy home. People gave us crazy looks all the time. We had our triple stroller pushing around town and which is funny because, so we usually had four kids at a time because we would often have one extra foster child. And people always looked at us so crazy, but now that I like look back, four kids seems like so few. That was nothing. Now that we have eight, it's like <laughs> you were looking at us way too soon, people. <laughs> Anyhow, so one day Daniel and I were talking and had decided, you know, I think we're ready to add another child to our family. Let's do a concurrent placement. Now, I think in the United States, it's very different in what you call it and how it works. And even in Canada, this program comes and goes. But a concurrent placement is where they have a child that is still a foster child, but they are are believing that that child will not be able to reunify. So this happens in cases where the parents maybe have disappeared. Maybe they've had many children already removed and lost parental rights for. Um, Maybe the parents have already expressed that they don't want to parent, that sort of thing. So they're assuming the child is going to be available for adoption. So they put them in a foster home that's open to adoption. And what this allows is the child to not have to move placements, which is amazing. It really prevents that traumatic experience of losing that attachment. So, but they're with 
foster parents. So if they do reunify, the foster parents still know how to do that. They still focus on that. But if the child does end up coming up for adoption, they can just stay in that family. So we phoned our social worker on a Friday and said, hey, we'd like to open up again as a concurrent home. Um, You know, let us know what we need to do. And she started saying, yeah, we'll get your home study updated. And, you know, it'll take a few weeks, a few months, that kind of thing. I'll call you next week to get things, you know, set up. Okay, sure. Again, we weren't in any rush. That was a Friday. Monday, we get a phone call from the placement worker (laughs) saying, hey, there's this little baby at the hospital. Uh, I heard you're a concurrent home and we're looking for a concurrent placement. Do you want to come get her? (laughs) Yeah, literally like three days later. We had three days to be ready again. We often have these crazy situations come. So we went and picked her up from the hospital um, three days later and brought home Chloe. So she is now 10. She's almost 11. So she became our fourth uh, little girl and we got to adopt her, which has been such an amazing experience. She is my little babysitter of the family. (laughs) And then after that, we just kind of took a little break. I think we had nine months um, after we had those four where everyone was out of diapers. We had no babies. It was glorious. (laughs) It was so much easier back then. I ended up founding the nonprofit back then, which we, you know, started originally was to be an adoption agency, but quickly we realized the need was actually for awareness, education, and support for adoption, foster care related things. So I got that started. That's also the time I decided to go back to school to be a social worker because I knew I just really wanted to be involved in uh, the child welfare system in another way besides just parenting. So I started going back to school at that time. Um, I thought to myself, I, I saw that movie Conviction where she like became a lawyer to free her brother and it took her like years and years and years. And I thought, oh, she can do that. I could do that. Like I'll just take one course here and there. Um, with four kids. With four kids. No, I think I, we had six Six oh, times right. we, we had a couple, yes. couple kids we were fostering, and thought I can do that. You know, I'll just chip away. But no I, big deal, right? I somehow ended up being able to complete it in the four four years. Got my degree as a social worker, and they kind of told us that foster care was moving more to trying to find uh, families that were already related to kids in foster care, kinship. Sometimes that's what they call it. So we kind of thought, okay, this is our family. They're probably not going to need you know as much longer for fostering. And then we got the call for, again for a little guy. He was in the hospital and he was ready to come home. And so we went and, uh, or no, he actually got uh, dropped off at our house. And yeah, we just started fostering again. He was a newborn. Uh, he was just the sweetest little thing. The social workers nicknamed, nicknamed him the Disneyland baby because he was always so happy. But about six months into having him, so he was about six months old, we did find out that birth mom was pregnant again. So uh, a year after he was born and came to us, uh, we got a sibling. We advocated for them to be together so we could keep siblings together. So we had six kids at this point, uh, or probably seven. I think we had one little one we were fostering at the time. And then it just happened again. So a year later, uh, she gave birth to another little baby. Uh, and so we took him again. We, we t- no, her, was sorry, her, yes. <laughs> we took her. Um, so we had one one little boy that we were fostering and two little girls. Now we're at seven. Uh, yeah. And I was working uh, in the child welfare system at the time, just part-time. And then we found out baby eight was expecting. <laughs> so I thought, okay, I don't think I can keep working outside the home anymore. Um, so I quit my job. Uh, just in time before baby number eight was born. So our four youngest, we are just in the adoption process with them, but we've been fostering them for the last six and a half years. They're a sibling set of four that we got to experience them all from birth, which has been an amazing experience. And that's how we uh, got to eight. 
So it's been a crazy journey. You know, many of them have special needs, which we're going to talk about on a lot of the podcasts. And it's just been such an amazing journey, as crazy as it's been and as challenging as it can be. I wouldn't change it for the world. We love our kids so much. Uh, We love our family. And it's been such an amazing journey. So uh, that's who we are. So when we talk about things, you'll you'll know that uh, we have a little bit of experience with things. And I hope that you found that somewhat interesting or encouraging. You know, we're never too young to get started. You maybe don't need to start when you're 19. But, you know, there's no special age. People even do it all the way up to like age 80 or 90. I've seen, you know, anyways, I hope that you check back with us next time. We're going to have some more amazing episodes for you. And thank you for coming tonight. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to our podcast this week. Be sure to tune in next week for more exciting episodes and learn more on adoption, foster care and special needs. And be sure to check us out on social media, Instagram, My Lovely Crazy Life AP and our website, mylovelycrazylife.com. And please share and help us spread the word of our new podcast. Thanks again, and we look forward to chatting with you next week.